Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Matchbook series on the EBPL podcast. My name is Paul. I'm the adult services librarian here at EBPL. Thank you for joining us today. So if you haven't listened to Matchbook or if you're getting back into it, this is season four, episode two. So we take recommendations from our listeners who send them in, and generally I'll comb through them, see if anything feels relevant. And if there's any topics that feel relevant that we haven't already covered, I'll generally try to go with that. So one listener sent in something interesting where they wanted books that felt like spring, and they didn't elaborate on that. But what I'm going to do is try to extrapolate just from spring and what I think that would mean. So not only would it be the setting maybe in springtime, but that kind of period of rejuvenation, coming back to life after being stuck inside for the whole winter, that feeling, trying to run with that and give meaning to it from what I think they might be implying. So the first book I wanted to go into is called Weather Girl by Rachel Lynn Solomon. This is a workplace romance kind of book. It's set in Seattle. And when you think of spring, you think rainy days, weather slowly, very slowly getting nicer. And the dampness, the rain, Seattle kind of fits that. And also this topic, I think, is appropriate given but the connotations of spring as well. So it follows Ari Abrams, a TV meteorologist, and a sweet but maybe kind of reserved sports reporter named Russell. And they slowly get together throughout the book, but in a way that is a little different from a lot of romance books and that way that makes it maybe more interesting. So we first meet Ari and Russ at a Christmas party where they commiserate over their careers, basically stalling out in ways that they didn't anticipate. And we learn as they get to know each other, we realize they have much deeper issues that they commiserate about and discuss and help to get to know each other. Ari confides in Russ about issues of depression, and he confides in her about his anxiety, and that's why, you know, he tends to be more reserved. So we meet our characters in the winter, and winter as a theme for stagnation, standing still, kind of. And throughout the next few months, we see that process of growing, flourishing, coming out of the winter and coming out of our shells. And I think that's what the author really does great, is to show really the weather as a metaphor for this budding relationship between the two. This book has a lot of great things to say about coming to terms with oneself first before you can make any other significant changes outside of that in your life and how that is a meaningful first step to getting yourself on the right path in the right direction before you could start a new relationship or make new friends, things like that. Really work on yourself first as the foundational principle. And like I said, that's the whole first step, the whole beginnings, that kind of thing really ties into the theme of spring and makes for an enjoyable read. Really, the prose is is so readable, which I think authors sometimes struggle with. Just my eyes could go over the pages, pages and pages of this, and I'll forget. I just read like three chapters in a row because they'll just fly right by. That is really the first, really, really the most important part of 
uh, light romance like this is getting the prose to be readable and enjoyable, things like that. So not going to spoil the ending entirely, but definitely fits the springtime mood. Definitely check it out. Weather Girl by Rachel Lynn Solomon. The next book I wanted to discuss is Burnham Wood by Eleanor Catton. This one just came out a few weeks ago, actually. I've heard wonderful things, and I just started it. So I could go into it a little bit, my own reading experience, but also what I anticipate being, you know, a very spring-like book going forward. So you might remember Catton if you read her book, The Luminaries, which won the Booker Prize a few years back. So Burnham, obviously a reference to the forest in Macbeth, and it's in the book, it is the name of a guerrilla gardening group, which is a pretty fun, strange concept to go with, but definitely the theme of gardening, getting back into the earth, things like that, really evoked spring for me. So what does a guerrilla gardening group look like? You're probably asking. So. They are a group that finds little stretches of land that are not being used for any particular purpose, whether it's on the side of the road, an abandoned tract of land somewhere, and they basically garden those areas, and they try to reap the benefits of what, is, what they grow and sell that. Interesting concept, a little strange. They get the opportunity to garden a really big ticket item when a large stretch of land becomes available that has fallen into neglect. And as they garden the area, they reap the rewards. Eventually, there is an enigmatic American billionaire who has snatched up the land, and he intends to build like a post-apocalyptic bunker on the property. So while this seems like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the group, where they could have this enormous attractive land they've never had before. It also involves working with somebody working on this billionaire's terms. They don't know if they could trust him and what he says they could use the property for. And if this deal of them really gardening the property will work out long term with him. Over the course of the book, we get to know more about his background in particular and how that is incompatible with the spirit of the gardening group. And there's this whole mixture of ideologies that propels the story forward, creates really an interesting dynamic between the group and him, and tests each other in interesting ways. So it really feels like spring in the sense that we see an ecological dilemma at the heart of it. And, you know, coming up on Earth Day and people getting the gardens going and thinking about those kind of things, it really seems pertinent to tell a story like this in current times. The last book I wanted to discuss today is Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. You might know Holmes as the host of the Pop Culture Happy Hour on NPR, where she's been doing that for quite some time. As she's built up authority as a critic, and then transitioned to an author as well. So this one was quite popular a few years ago in getting her name out as and really establishing herself as an author in addition to podcast hosts. 
before getting into what the book is actually about, I also wanted to mention, this is our book discussion group book for May 11th. We will be going over E.V. Drake Starts Over. So if you want to pick it up or if you've already read it, please drop by the book group where we'll be going in depth. So we meet Evie where she's residing in a sleepy seaside town in Maine. And she's just learned that her husband has passed away in a car accident. So that is kind of a depressing setup for a book. However, to cope with the, the death of her husband, Evie's best friend Andy knows a former major league pitcher who is down on his luck and needs a place to stay. His career's hit the skids. And he's really looking to kind of start over. So after Evie takes him on as a tenant, they make a pact. Dean will not ask about what happened to Evie's husband. And Evie will not ask what happened to his professional baseball career. So while they two try to tiptoe around it, which makes for a funny and interesting dynamic in its own right, you know, obviously the truth of the two events start to come out. And they realize that there is a lot of similarities between the personal heartbreak that they've both faced, setbacks, and the mental health issues that these personal life situations have caused them. So they two really get to know each other, pour their feelings over, and develop a significant bond. The setting in New England, you know, the burgeoning romance, former major league pitcher, it all kind of recalls a Sam and Diane dynamic from Cheers, and I couldn't like that anymore. So definitely, if you're a fan of that dynamic and love the show, this will be right in your wheelhouse. So it's great to see the characters, while they are experiencing these profound pains, both emotional and mental, they also have the strength to move on to move past it and to really discuss it and move forward with their lives. And it's the same thing in The Weather Girl, where this act of people who are experiencing this level of heartbreak and these mental health issues have the capacity to move forward with their lives. And it's really heartening to see them do that. So while The Weather Girl tends to be maybe on the more romantic side of things, this delves into the nuances of male-female friendship and how that flourishes and how that could exist in the world in a way that is meaningful and doesn't necessarily have to be romantic. So it's interesting for the author to have that perspective on what the characters are dealing with. And I promise if you're not the biggest baseball fan in the world, there's not too much. You can tell Linda Holmes did her research and I very much appreciate that. But if you are not the biggest baseball fan in the world, you will still like this book. That will not be the hindrance, I promise. Like I said, it takes place in a sleepy seaside town in Maine. So you get a good sense of place as well in that you get a sense of a close-knit community and the neighborhood and type of people who live there and how supportive they are of each other and of Evie and what she's going through. And that really kind of rounds out the book and lends an interesting dynamic of a support system onto just Dean's presence in the book as well. And it really helps to lift everybody up. It's like a rising tide lifts all boats principle to how they interact with each other in the neighborhood. And it's so heartwarming to see something like that. So definitely check out that book. 
check out all three of those. And hopefully your spring will match the positivity that these books exude. Once again, the EBPL podcast can be listened to at ebpl.org backslash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you to Melissa Hosek for editing this episode and thank you all for listening.